Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is episode 53 with Callum Lang. Are you looking for business school without the BS? Maybe you want to learn leadership from the very best. Learn how to hire, inspire, or fire. Or maybe you want to start or grow your business. Why not check out thrive15.com forward slash nomads. Trainings are broken up into 15-minute episodes that are guaranteed to make you learn in a practical way. You can learn from world-class mentors like Lee Cockrell, David Robinson, and Michael Levine. Check it out. www.thrive15.com forward slash nomads. Or you could just enter thrive15.com and enter the promo code nomads. And you should have 30 days of free access of inspired world-class training for a tenth of the cost of business school. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxy. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Callum Lang, and he started, built, and has bought and sold half a dozen businesses in a range of industries across two continents. He's the owner of Fitness Buffet, a company delivering employee wellness education in 11 countries, and he's also the director of Entrevo Asia, a company helping executives and business owners to become a key person of influence in their industry. He was recently awarded the Asia Best Employer Outstanding Leadership Award, and he's a mentor and advisor to DBS Business Class, among others. Calum lives in Singapore with his wife and two children. Welcome, Cal. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the call. <laughs> well, so uh, to talk to me about yourself and your passions. Um, that's, a, that's a broad topic, but um, <laughs> so kind of in, in keeping with uh, with the. the sort of focus of, of your interviews. So I, I um, am a third generation kid. I was born born in New Zealand, grew up in the UK. Okay. Um, and now I've been in Asia for the past uh, 13, 14 years. 
so the the New Zealand accent is pretty much pretty much gone. It, it comes out when I'm watching rugby or occasionally after a few drinks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's 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 an interesting an interesting area that that you're looking at. And um, now I've got uh, my own kids who. Are growing up and they're um, yeah e- even more confused when they get the question where do you come from so uh, I, I empathise with the with the, uh, the topic. It's definitely it's definitely not the easiest question to answer because uh, so, so you had New Zealand you have English you live in Singapore um, I guess you've been living in all through Asia for the last twelve thirteen years you said yeah that's right that's wow. right and so we've got so my daughter has uh, I've got two two daughters and um, yeah. Two little blonde kids that, when they're asked where they're born, one of them says Thailand, one of them says Singapore, and that, that generally gets some some blank looks on people's faces. So. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So then, what, why Asia? Why did you decide to move to Asia? What about Asia attracted you? So, going back to your point on on passions, I, I've always been I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been setting up little businesses and, and a bit of a business geek. And I, my first sort of grown-up business was um, a consultancy in the dot-com boom, building operation centers for telcos in Europe. Um, but even even then, so that was back in sort of 98, 99. But there was a lot of, when you looked at the macro business trends, there was a lot of stuff going on in Asia. And it was clear that yeah, there was this big shift happening from west to east. That there was, um, you know, a lot of demographic changes that were happening in Asia, and, and a lot of exciting things happening there. So, just um, from my own personal perspective, and and wanting to kind of be where stuff was happening, I was very keen to to move to Asia uh, way back then. Which is which is sort of why uh, when I, when the opportunity came up. Uh, we moved over here, like you say, 13, 13 years ago, and we originally found ourselves in in Thailand, and uh, that was a, it's a it's a great country. Uh, most most people go there for for holidays, and it's a fantastic place for holidays. Um, but it was also a great country for me to kind of get get my footing in Asia and and start to um, I, I built up a few companies, and it's it's quite a cost of living in Thailand is pretty cheap. Mm. So, although there are some big cultural differences, and, and there was a lot, a lot to learn, um, it was quite a forgiving place for me to start and, and build a few, few businesses there. And uh, yeah, so we, we were there for nine years, had a lot of fun. And then one of one of my companies, Fitness Buffet, really started to take off, and we moved to Singapore uh, three and a half years ago just because it was it was easier to have it headquartered out of Singapore uh, just because Singapore, Singapore and Hong Kong tend to be the regional hubs for for Asia, so it was just easier to be here. And, and Singapore's a great, great place to, to live and bring up kids, so really enjoying it. You know, I was talking to one of my friends, uh, she lives in Bali, and she was telling me that Singapore is probably the cleanest city she's ever been to, or, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, she says Singapore, or it's like so clean, high-tech, and all that, but um, I, you know, I don't know if, if that's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, because I, I, like you mentioned in the intro, I, I do a daily interview with the entrepreneurs and leaders around Asia, and... Um, one of the questions we ask them is which which is the easiest 
city to do business in in Asia, um, and Singapore generally is the one that comes up uh, first. It's you know it's English language. Um, it's got the the English legal system, um, and just a very very proactive government that um, focuses very hard on creating an ecosystem that that drives innovation and and business success. So uh, yes, Sing- Singapore is uh, definitely. Uh, we joke we call it Asia Light. Asia Light, uh, <laughs> but it's but it's yeah, it's it's a great great place to if, you, if you're thinking about trying to get your business to to sort of capture some of the the huge opportunities in Asia, then then Singapore is a, a good place to kind of get kicked off from. Right. Well, now now I want to touch on two things here. I want to. I'm curious as to how you started to adapt to the culture in Asia. You know, you know, you've got all these New Zealand and, and um, uh, British influence, and you're raising a family. You moved there. I was curious as to how you started to connect to people, and I'm also curious as as to what the business landscape was like because you said you've you've founded a few companies. So I, I'm just curious as to how you fit in, essentially, or if you are still fitting in, and then how you decided to do business with them, whether were there were any barriers to entry or were there any things you learned that you probably wouldn't be able to do in New Zealand or England? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess that's, that's a, there's a bunch of stuff there. I think one of the, one of the challenges is, is always when, when we talk about Asia, it's such a, um, you know, it's such a vast area and, and the, the different countries have very different cultures it's kind of like talking about about europe doing business in europe doing business in england is very different to doing business in in germany or france for example um so there's there's that and if you kind of look on on the scale of things um you've got sort of singapore and hong kong which are very business focused and and uh, very ambitious and very driven. Uh, you've got Thailand, which is much more, uh, much more relaxed, um, and and Indonesia and Philippines, again, sort of diff- different cultures. I think the the interesting thing for someone coming in is, in each of these places, of course, you've got big expat communities, um, and I think what I've found over the years living in a number of different countries is is the more diverse the culture the more supportive the expat community is to to helping newcomers come in so that was we we certainly found that very useful when we arrived in thailand um we had a lot of people sort of took us under their arms and uh under their wings and, and so that that was great and then then i think kind of what what you discover when um you're working in different countries and different cultures is it's it's easy to pick at the, the things that are different but there's also so much stuff that that is the same and one one of the things that I found when when I first got to Thailand and I first set up my businesses uh, or my first business there and there were times when I was really struggling with the cultural differences so um uh, one of the things you, you find, obviously, when growing up, you sort of assume that the way you do stuff is the right way to do stuff. Uh, and, and the more you travel around, the more you realize that not only is it not necessarily the right way to do stuff, it, it might not be a good way to do stuff. Um, so you have to kind of be open to 
to understanding that. But one of the things that I discovered fairly early on uh, was that the best companies are managing to keep their company culture regardless of the country that they're in. So I, I remember sort of discovering this when I went for a coffee in, in Starbucks in Thailand and, and at the time I was getting really frustrated with the team that I'd bought on and yeah, I was really struggling with the different cultural nuances and, and what were the things that motivated uh, Thai people. Um, and then I walked into this Starbucks and the level of service in Starbucks in Thailand was exactly the same as every other Starbucks anywhere in the world. They, you know, they, they were smiling and they were polite and they followed procedures. And, and what it really brought home to me was uh, actually the, the, the problem wasn't um, you know, the cultural differences. The, the problem was that I hadn't developed the internal company culture strong enough to, to attract and, and train and reta- retain the, the best people. So it was it was a bit um, yeah it was a bit of an, an awkward conversation to to have with myself, but it, it was a realization that uh, actually you know if, if companies like Starbucks can manage to to pick people up at, at sort of minimum wage level anywhere in the world, but still maintain a fantastic workplace and great standards anywhere in the world, then then clearly there's something to the company culture which can actually supersede the individual uh, country culture. So it's, it's an interesting thing to, to play around with. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Cause you so you're, you're of the mindset that um, companies, especially global companies should keep their company culture regardless of where they are. Well, I think, I think what happens, like, you're definitely going to make uh, changes. So it's, it's the, the only way to survive is to be adaptable to, to the environment you're in. But, but what I've found is that, um, and, and I noticed that we, we do some bits and pieces of work with Google and other companies like that at the moment, and and you you see that the the culture that they have, um, the companies with the strong cultures will attract the best people who want to be a part of that culture, mm. uh, and and in every in every country you've got ambitious people, in every country you've got lazy people, and um, so you want to create a company culture that will attract uh, the, the best people from, from the company you're in. And, and it doesn't mean you're, sort of, you're insensitive to the local market. It's, it's very much that, that you adapt to that, but that, that you do have something that will, uh, that will attract the, the best from, from the local company. No, I got you. I mean, yeah, I hear you. Because, you know, sometimes I think of companies like McDonald's and, you know, when they go to India, they have to adjust the menu. Um, other type Ooh. of companies, just because it's, you know, some of the food might not be part of what it's, it's familiar with the culture um, yeah. or like a Walmart maybe fails in like a Brazil or something like that but just you know because of uh, just different culture nuances but it's, it's, yeah, yeah. No, totally so, so you've got those those changes around the product and stuff but mm-hmm. you know one, one of the things that that makes McDonald's or has made McDonald's so successful over the years is that they have an incredibly strong company culture right um, and they have incredibly, they have incredibly good procedures and processes, so that you know you can have a sixteen-year-old running a, com- a company, um, pretty pretty much. And, <laughs> yeah, um, same process. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and but so so that 
stays like that that sort of systemizing everything and and you know their their commitment to keeping everything clean and, and food uh, fast de- delivery and all of those sort of things remain, even if the products will change slightly or the nuances will change slightly in the cultures, in the countries. Gotcha, yeah. So it's, it's mainly around the system. I, I completely agree with that. Um, so this, this is interesting for me because many people seem to be afraid to start something, you know, just because they don't know exactly how to do it. I know I certainly fell into that trap. But there wasn't really a roadmap for you to follow. Uh, you know, he, he, you know. So, what kept you going? Yeah, you said you felt like he it was moving east. You went there, and then, um, you know, I'm just curious as to what kept you going. And if you, if you knew in advance, would you ever not start being an entrepreneur? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, no, I mean, there's, 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 there, there is no real, real roadmap, I guess. Um, I think I had a. Yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed the the idea of starting my own businesses and build, building my own thing. Um, so I was keen to do that. Uh, I liked, you know, I, I liked the idea of being somewhere where so much change is is happening. I mean, you know, one, one of the things, one of the reasons that entrepreneurs do well is is where they find value differentials. Um, and when you're in a place where there's a lot of change happening very quickly, you find that there's a lot of value differentials. Um, and those, those only last for so long because the market, uh, you know, the market doesn't like anyone making too much profit. So when, when somebody discovers a good business model, competition will, will pile into that. But for, for the entrepreneur, if you can be in that market while there's a lot of change happening, it's a great, great opportunity. So um, that, that was kind of what, what drew me here and as, as what keeps me here. Uh, I, you, you know, yourself, entrepreneurship is a, is a, is a roller coaster ride. Uh, it's, it's ups and downs. Um, Definitely. <laughs> but, I, but, I mean, I've, I've been, I think I've been, been very lucky. Um, with you know with the teams I've built up and and the opportunities that have come to me, so um, yeah, I'm not sure if I would advise myself to, to do that. If I was advising my younger self, I'm not sure if I would give give them the same advice. But uh, yeah, that's part part of the part of the journey, and and it's yeah it makes makes some good stories to to share over a beer or two. No, I, I definitely agree. And for me, I mean, I, I fell into entrepreneurship just because I finally got over the fear of myself um, of failing. Uh, just because I just said, you know, what, this, if I fail, this is going to be one of the lessons that I'll have to always doing that. And when I was building the media company, it actually took me getting laid off for me to actually say, um, yeah, Ty, you better just, uh, you can either go back to that that the, the corporate world where you, where you don't really fit in right now or you can start something so it was kind of like the road less traveled with robert frost there so but that <laughs> seemed to have made all the difference and there, it's not you know it's like you said it's not there's so many ups and downs and you know especially when you're bootstrapping or whenever you're looking for funding and things like that but um the lessons you learn and the rewards that you, you gain are uh i like to say invaluable so um, so, yeah, yeah. okay so now one thing I like about what you're doing when, when um, I was looking into what you do is, is you have such a 
Yeah, he, I, th- I was looking at your reading bio, and I was like, I don't know how you do all this. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm curious as to who your biggest inspirations are and where you draw draw all this energy from. I mean, because I run a daily platform. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As well, I know how the content calendar can be a nightmare sometimes when you're thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> next week. I was just doing, I, I mean, I was up till 4 a.m. yesterday because I, I was planning two weeks in advance. I was like, I, I got to find something for the next <laughs> couple weeks. So I'm wondering if you're doing daily interviews and, and you're running several companies as well, well, where are you drawing inspiration from and who, you know, who just inspires you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's um, it, it's a beast that always needs feeding uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when, when you start these things. Um, I I uh, have spent a lot of probably the last uh, five, six, seven years focusing on systemization and um, getting uh, yeah. In, in terms of inspiration, I think um, Tim Ferriss's book uh, four hour four hour. yeah it was was a great I, I think the thing that I kind of really took out of that was um, I'd already been using virtual assistants um, and sort of virtual team members for a while at that point uh, but I got after reading his book I think I became much more effective at breaking down tasks and systemizing them and so gen- generally now when I take on a project, it's I, I figure out how to systemize it and uh, outsource as much of it as possible. So, for example, the the, the daily interviews, um, you know, I, I created a, a template interview. Uh, and I have two virtual assistants that basically all day long they're they're emailing people, they're handling it. Um, so I actually. The, the only uh, the time to, that it takes me is about an hour a week when I just read five or six interviews at a time and just approve them and then send them to the um, uh, our partners that, that publish them. So actually, um, although those people have probably got half a dozen emails back and forth, um, getting them to the point where the interview is ready to be published, they're not from me. They're from virtual assistants. Right. That's my little right. secret. Um, so yeah, I a big a big part of being able to do so much is is systemizing it um, and and getting getting a good team around you that can can help you to do that. And that's you know that that's not always easy, but 
over the years, are sort of you find the people that you can you can trust, and, and I've got a great great team now that uh, that helps me with the, the different businesses, and yeah, it's going well. It all comes down to systems, right? It, it seems like that's a, that's a pattern I'm hearing, and well, you know, in Tim Ferriss' book, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I read I've read everything, the Four Hour Body, everything, Four Hour Work Week, all that, but um. Yeah. He thrives on that. When it's it's his podcast, you listen to, and it's it's putting all these systems in place, and and that in itself has sometimes could be a challenge because you find the right virtual assistant, finding all that, but that seems to, you know. Yeah, it's and I, I actually I, I ended up I, I work with a lot of business owners, and and I end up kind of sharing a lot of uh, how I do it with with them on that. Um, I I think that the. The hardest thing is actually sitting down and breaking down the task to start with. It's you, you know that it's a task that you can do in ten minutes, but if you're going to break it down and you're going to find virtual assistants and everything, like, you, you're probably going to lose half a day kind of doing that. But once you've done it and once you've you've kind of and, and generally what I do is I'll I'll put a task out to about three or four different virtual assistants just for a week or so and see which ones deal with it well and which ones are responsive mm. uh, and that, those are the ones I, I stick with um, so yeah it, it, it's a learning process and it, it's definitely it takes a lot of time up front but if you can spend if you invest that time up front then the thing can run pretty much with, with um, minimal oversight from, from yourself and um, it doesn't always work <laughs> <laughs> no no that seems to no i mean yeah but nothing's foolproof so it's uh is there like a resource that you can recommend to people to use for uh, i mean i i've i've used elance for uh for years and years sort of seven or eight years it did one of those horrible things where it flashes up a, how much money you've spent on Elance in the last seven years, and I, I kind of freaked out. But uh. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I use it for for everything. When when I was building Fitness Buffet, um, we grew to the first six countries in a, a US ten million dollar valuation um, before I'd hired my first full time staff. But I had, I think, at one point I had about 40 people working on Fitness Buffet around the world, all through Elance. That's great. But I, yeah. I'd never met before, but um, we were able to make it happen. So, <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great tool. That's good, yeah. yeah. And didn't they partner up with Odesk soon, or was that? Yeah, so, so they, they merged with Odesk, and I think they're sort of slowly bringing, bringing the two services to, together. But I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, it's just a, it's, it's just a great platform to, to find people. And, um, yeah, again, I sort of, you go through all of the, the mistakes when you're learning this. When I was first there, I was sort of blown away by how cheap some people are. Um, now I don't. Ever go for the cheap ones? I, I go for the ones that have got lots and lots of five star right. ratings. Um, that's sort of my, my philosophy now is that it's 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 not my job to break in the new people. I'll let somebody else do that. I'm I only want to work with people that have already you know been on the platform for a couple of years, and know how to do the work, know how to report, know how to bill, and it just it yeah you, know, you might pay a little bit more for that, but Actually, in in terms of the job that's getting done, I'm more than happy to do that. 
Yeah, that's good. You know, it's uh, approval by committee there. So um, I'm going to get into some more fun questions soon. So, <laughs> but I, I'm, I just want to, I'm really fascinated by your background and I just wanted to really talk about um, some of the business aspects because I know a lot of people that listen to this are always keen on just different ways they can uh, get into entrepreneurship in different parts of the world. So um, the, the thing with starting a business and, and it, mm-hmm. um, sometimes we think we know where it should go. Uh-huh. But have you found many times that the, the the market finds you? I mean, you've been in so many businesses. I, I, I don't know if you actually predicted where the market was going or did you find that? I know you went to Asia on purpose, but did you find that at home? I just fell into that. Um, I, I make lots of predictions and I don't think any of them have ever worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I have a terrible track record in, in, in that respect. Um, well, what I find is is you know you you, you set up your, your kind of the vision of where where you want to go, and uh, you hopefully inspire other people in, into that vision. But invariably, uh, the the market has other ideas, the customers have other ideas, and, yeah. and so you, you end up. You, know, you end up taking taking it a different way. I mean, one one of the things I think I've definitely learned over the years, and I'm, I'm a painfully slow learner. But um, rather than trying to, so, so one one of my kind of rules now is that I don't invest in my own ideas, and the the the, the sort of theory behind that is that generally when I have a great idea for a new product or a new business is that I get very excited and I think it's, it's the, the bee's knees. But um, what I used to do was I would then go out and I'd look for other people to, to reconfirm that what a great idea that was and I was going to be rich and all of those good things. Uh, and then I would sink tons of time or money into to building the product before I took it out to market and tried to sell it. Um, and that's... That's about the worst thing you can do as, as an entrepreneur. So um, now my philosophy is pretty pretty simple: is uh, if I can't pre-sell the product before before I've created it, or I can't pre-sell investment in the company before I've formed it, then I'm not going to put any of my own money into it. Because uh, as, as much as I think my ideas are genius, it turns out the market really agrees. So, yeah, no, I, I'm very much market market driven now, uh, way more than I used to be, and and that does uh, that, that that makes life a, a lot easier. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's you know, advice that I give give any entrepreneurs these days is see see what you can pre sell or get investment for before you actually go and invest the time and money in building it yourself. Love it, love it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, fun questions. Now, uh, are you a sports guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your favorite sports? Uh, so, I, I play five-a-side soccer every weekend. A um, bit of touch rugby. Uh, watch, huh. watch rugby as well. Okay. Well, uh, you reason yeah. I'm asking is, what's your favorite uh, football soccer team? Uh, don't make me say that on air. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 this could be a make or break moment right here. <laughs> so, what is? No, you, you, you follow the premise. Uh, 
So, look, there's only going to be about half a dozen of your listeners who have actually heard of them. Sunderland. Sunderland? Sunderland AFC in the northeast of England. It's it's a painful team to be a fan of. Um, but I used to, many, many years ago, I used to work at, at Roker Park, which was their old stadium. I used right, to sell, right, right. Yeah, yeah. sell match day tickets. And it was it was one of those jobs that was, there was no pay. And you got, I think I got, 10 pence per ticket that I sold, but I got in to see the game for free. But that's, um, wow. So, so I sort of became a by default. Well, fan, right? it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a fun pastime. <laughs> being a fun I, get, I can tell you I'm, I'm a huge Majesty United fan. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. The eyes, cue in the eye rolls, I know. And they're actually yeah. playing Liverpool now. <laughs> So it's one oh, yeah. of those, it's the That's biggest great. yeah and we're we're fighting for that third place because I, I can't believe Arsenal jumped us but that's another day but um now yeah, I was just curious because I for me sports is big and that was one of the ways that I connected um I, I lived I've lived in Vietnam I lived in that area for a little bit before and one of the ways I was connecting with other people was was always through sports and then we would always ask what the favorite team was or we would play in rural sports and uh, for me you know tennis basketball soccer. Or three of the biggest things, and moving to America, I, I had to learn how to, you know some of the nuances with football, the other football, <laughs> the one that uses the hands. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, cause in, in, anywhere in the world, if you get into a taxi and say you're a Man United fan, you'll start a conversation. So. Yeah, yeah, it's either good yeah. or bad. You're like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> but um, yeah. no, I, I was curious. So, what, what about um, favorite countries? Favorite country you actually have lived in? I know you've lived a lot in Asia, but which country? Has your heart? Uh, that's a difficult one. I I lived in um, so the, the first business I set up was in Amsterdam in in uh, Holland, and I, I absolutely love Amsterdam. It's, it's my favourite city in the world, except that it's just so cold and wet the, the whole time uh, um, and now I've been in, in the tropics for 13 years I, I don't think I could ever live in a cold cold place again I'm, I'm definitely uh, definitely like the warm weather so um, yeah look I, I, I love being in Singapore right now it's, got a, it's a great business environment um, it's clean, it's safe, it's efficient, and you know, you're only a couple of hours flight from half a dozen different countries around the region. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a good, good place to be. You know, I, that, New York City is my favorite city in the world. I moved here on purpose. But this past couple of years, the winters have been brutal. I mean, it, <laughs> we are in March right now, and it snowed on Friday. And it, I, I, I was, I've been traveling back and forth to the conferences. I was in Austin, and then I was in D.C., and then the contrast in weather, I was just saying to myself, this is too cold for me. And I, but um, I, I, it's just much like you like Amsterdam is one of your probably favorite city. I, New York City is it's there, but sometimes yeah, I just wish I could transplant some of this weather here. Yeah. And like, my goodness. Um, okay. Uh, um, favorite food? Which country has the best food? Thailand. Oh, Thailand. Gotcha. No, yeah, Thailand. No Better than Japanese yeah. food? Better than... Uh, yeah, oh, Thai, Thai, Thai food's fantastic. So you like it's, spicy uh, food then? I like spicy food, Oh, yeah. me too. We yeah. should have a spicy eating competition. <laughs> yeah, I'll play that game. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fantastic. And it was, um, you know, just on every street corner, you got these little stalls that just 
you know, cook up this fresh food in front of you. Was, yeah, love it. <laughs> all, right, all right, and then uh, country to best music. Best music, um, probably. I guess uh, probably back in back in the UK from the, the old uh, DJs and, and rave culture from. From my youth, that was uh, that was good music. Although Holland had some some good dance music as well. So, yeah. so you you're a big uh, dance guy. Yeah, well, I'm back back in a back in a back, former life. Back in the day. All right, back in the day. All right, well, uh, yeah, all right. Now, a UID, we like to say, use your difference to make a difference. That's that's the premise of the the company. Um, and I'm curious, Callum, as to yeah. how you use your difference to make a difference. Uh, yeah, because I, one of my mentors uh, and, and the guy I work very closely with is a guy called Paul Dunn, um, who's an amazing gentleman. Is the, the chairman of an organisation called Buy One Give One, yeah. and we we work with them on a lot of projects. And it's the the premise is that when you buy something uh, so you, you, you go to a restaurant you buy a meal that restaurant will make a donation through buy one give one and they will buy a meal for a child in a developing country um, so you know I, I did we, we do things like when people come to our events and they buy a ticket for, for the event and we fit uh, we give a, a family in a developing country clean water for a year uh, as a result of that through buy one give one so um, yeah, it's a it's a project that that I'm pretty passionate about, and and Paul Dunn's been a a big inspiration and mentor to me, and in, in that kind of making a difference area. So it's pretty cool. Good. No, I, I love companies right. they, they get that model right, especially like Tom Shoes and um and you know yeah, I want to go same, same thing. Yeah. And it's very it's very tangible. It's like you know the the sort of we'll give ten percent to charity thing just doesn't really mean much, but when it's Hey, look! You you've bought a meal, and that's actually contributed a meal to somebody else. It, it's very tangible and, and very real. So yeah, it's, it's clever. No, couldn't agree with you more. All right, but before we go, do you have any last words, sage words of advice to either your young self, you know, the the, the thirteen year old stud, or <laughs> or to, to to people like uh like us out there who are millennials and are globally minded and just you know trying to make an impact in the world whether it's through entrepreneurship or global. yeah so look I mean I would just say look if you're not doing stuff in Asia if Asia's not on your radar yet you should definitely definitely be looking at it it's uh, the, the opportunities out here are, are just immense just the, the sheer volume of people and the trends that are happening um, and it's you know it's so easy now to be a, a what we call a global small business, um, where you can have stuff happening all around the world. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if uh, and I'm happy to kind of send send a link over for your show notes. But I sure. I put out uh, every six months, I put out a mashup of trends and, and opportunities that are happening in in Asia. So um, yeah, your, your listeners can have a, have a look at that, and yeah, can connect with me on Twitter or if you if you're out this way. Definitely, uh, definitely look me up. Yeah, I just connected you on Twitter to us, uh, so cool. we're, we're getting that. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for spending the time with me. Um, this has been a pleasure, and I look forward to having this out soon. Yeah, no, pleasure, Tao, and, uh, and I'll, I'll let you get back to the Manchester United game now. <laughs>
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.